Well, you can be seated, and I'm going to wipe a little tear out of my eye because I don't know if you listened, caught the words to that song, but uh, death has no grip on you if you're in Jesus, and I don't know anything more exciting than that. So it both made me smile, and I had to lift a hand or two and, and also shed a tear or two. Jesus, you're pretty amazing. Well, we, uh, we last week started this new series. It's just a four-week series called Who We Are, and it really takes a look at these four key values of Twin Cities Church. And uh, from the staff's perspective, those of us that are pastors involved in staff here and stuff, we kind of like, well, everybody knows this. This is just who we are. And then we realize that we don't really know it all that well. And when we want to make sure that we understand it, not just intellectually, but that it's actually happening. And so this is just a four-week series on the things that we hold up as defining characteristics about us as a church. And so last week, Pastor Ron kicked it off by talking about the fact that we are real. We are a real place. And the acronym that he used for real was the R was to, that we're a place where we can remove our masks and also that means that we admit that we aren't perfect. If you were here last week, you remember that. We're a place of imperfect people, and we're going to go ahead and be honest about that. The E is to examine my heart so that I can be real. The A was acknowledge God's truth and the truth that God made me beautiful and also that sin makes me broken. Those two things. And then the L is that we are a place where we want to love everyone always. And so that was the acronym that we worked through for real. And then our next R that we're looking at today, this morning, is the is our value that we are relational. And that means that as a church, we are about people because God is about people and people matter. A great, great deal. Relationships, people, they matter more than programs. They really do. They matter more than tasks and things. And, and uh, now here at Twin Cities, we do seek to run excellent programs and, um, and perform tasks certainly and take care of things, but that's because people benefit from them we got to keep the main thing the main thing here, right? That's because people benefit. The end goal isn't the program or the task or that material thing that we're involved with. It's actually the people who are, who are, um, who are reached and blessed and loved through these programs and tasks and things. And I know some of us are wired to be more task-oriented than people-oriented. The reality is both of them have to happen, but we can't lose sight of the fact that people, that, that people and relationships are very, very important. Now, saying that we as a church are relational, we're kind of just doing some introductory thoughts here, and, and uh, you can kind of have your outline handy. There'll be a few fill-in-the-blanks and some verses and stuff, but we just kind of kick things off here. I thought, you know what? We're going to kick it off relationally. Saying that we are relational as a core value does not mean that we're a church full of extroverts, okay? Unless we, hey, we're a church that we plaster big plastic smiles on our faces all the time so that we can look like we're the friendliest church ever, right? I came from Southern California, and there was a church in our area that called themselves The Friendly Church. That wasn't their name, but they even printed bumper stickers to have people put on their cars, the such-and-such such church, The Friendly Church. And I thought, you know, if you have to put a bumper sticker to convince people you are, maybe that isn't something you are, you know what I mean? Really, we're The Friendly Church. Well, you know, we don't want to be false about this. Um, we're real, so we don't need to play emotional games. You know, I'm just always happy. Liar, right? We're real first, right? Uh, the, the truth is it's not there, and we don't need to pretend to be flaming extroverts. So relax, introverts. You are great right where you are. Okay, I'd ask you to raise your hands, but you wouldn't. It's just true. 
By the way, in my research this week, I thought, I've heard all kinds of things. I researched percentages of introverts, extroverts, all that sort of stuff, and I actually found that there's some new studies that says that most people are actually ambiverted, ambiverted. Have you heard that term before? Ambiverted. Rather than introverted or extrovert, they're quiet in some situations and loud in others and usually alternate between seeking kind of the spotlight and being forward and also staying backstage. So ambiverted is kind of that new term that they say, really, that's where most people lie. And, and the key to all of this is simply that we often relate to people the way, uh, the way they are. So introverts, ambiverts, and extroverts can all work together to create healthy connection with, yes, other people who are introverts, extroverts, and ambiverts, right? God works that out beautifully. You don't have to be who you're not. A friendly place doesn't mean that you have to put yourself in a place of discomfort and try to be that flaming extrovert. And by the way, a church full of flaming extroverts would be exciting and it would be exhausting, wouldn't it? I mean, just kind of think about it. You, you have some friends and maybe you're one yourself and we'd love you, but if we only had that, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So God created us to know others and to be known, to be in relationship with each other, uh, but our world today works against our desire to find that connectedness. The truth is, it just happens more and more. We're so busy, you know, and we get so distracted, and, and all too often, we just kind of survive through the week. How was your week? Whew, I made it, right? That kind of is the way that it feels, at least with those of us with kids and grandkids and all the things that are going on in our lives. We all too often just survive with, with maybe very few significant connections, Hi, honey. I think I recognize you as my wife, recognize you, you know, or husband or whatever as you go through the day and, or touch base in the evening. And then so many of us dive into what, what we could call pseudo-connections just to try to make ourselves feel better. You know, we, we may not have many real close connections uh, with friends any one day or certainly during the week, but at least we have 894 Facebook friends, you know, and we have 263 Instagram followers, so our lives must be full of relationship, darn it. You know, there we go. The fact that you can actually buy Instagram followers should tell us how authentic most of those relationships really are, right? You want more? Just pay some money and you'll, you'll get some more. Maybe your kids are on a sports team, so we kind of wave at the parents of the other kids. We chat a little bit. We call them casual friends, and then we rush off to the next thing, right? Uh, you know, we're busy around people, but all too often, we're not really with, with those people. You know what I mean? I don't know if your life's anything like mine. Well, I have to say, I've been now to Uganda. We've been going since 2006, and Mark talked about next week our Celebrate Uganda get-together after church for anybody who wants to. But I've now been 10 times to Uganda. We'll be sending our 14th team here next January. Get information at the Reach Table. little blurb for that little advertisement. Uh, but um, I have to tell you, that's been one of the big learning things that I've had there is that they are so much about people, and it's really easy for them because there's very little else there. They don't have much, but they have each other, and they have God, you know, and so we, we work with them and discovering Jesus together, and then also people, and I remember the very first time that I went there, we were busy working and building and digging. It was just a huge project. We had a team of 23 people, the biggest team we've ever taken over there, and, and I'm side by side with this African man that I've just met, and met that I've just met, and uh, in good old American work ethic, I'm swinging a picks or a shovel or something. I'm just, we're digging and we're moving dirt and all this sort of stuff like that. And we do like two minutes and I am just starting to sweat. And then the guy stops and leans on his shovel and just says, so tell me. And you start talking. I'm like, okay, talk, talk. We talk for two or three or four minutes. And then 
All right, we get back to work. And about one minute into it, he stops again. And it's so unlike the way we do things here. It's like, we've got this huge hill of dirt we need to move because we're building something there at the children's home. And, and four or five times, he would just stop. And we'd talk. And I'm like, are we going to get this done? And you know what? We got it done. But we also got it done in relationship. See, I think the, the attitude that we see over there a lot is, you know what, the tasks are going to get done. And maybe if they don't, maybe they weren't all important. But what I do have right now is time with you. I may never have this time again to spend some time with you and to be able to talk and fellowship and discover who you are and to share at a relational heart level. Oh, that dirt, it's just dirt. But you, you are special. There's a chance to have relationship. Well, it's taken about 10 times for me going to really have that sink in. I'm still struggling with it, but I've seen that there. They have the ability to sit and just sit in a room quietly. And you know right about now you're like, who's going to say something next? I, I can sit for 5 or 10 or 15 minutes just quietly with someone where we're like antsy going, we got to do something, someone talking. And, and just being with somebody is enough. It's crazy. Getting off the plane and having someone say, thank you that you are here. This is so wonderful that you've come. It's, it's a blessing. And you're like, well, we haven't done anything yet. Yes, you have. You're here. Well, yeah, we're here, but we haven't done anything. Yes, you have. You're here. I heard that amen. He's been. All the learning that goes on there... From, from Africa, a poor place that we need to go and really help them. And yet, I've been helped, and I think we as a church have been helped over the years being a part of that. You see, we as a church want to lift up the value of people and the value of relationships. And, and I want to say, I spoke with Ron this week. He really was hoping to be here because he wanted to even have this, have this and <laughs> be able to talk about this topic today. So I took some of his words here because I wasn't back at Twin Cities at the beginning. It was before my time. But Here's some words. Twin Cities has not always been good at being relational as we grew as a church. See, at the beginning, we began as six families who did everything together. It was incredibly relational. Uh, but, uh, and so we were very relational. But as we grew, we put too much trust in people being able to find their own way into community. Because it just naturally happened at the beginning. Everything was together, but then things grew and they grew. And, and we as a church weren't as intentional as we could have been. Also, there were times when we were more concerned about getting someone connected into ministry find a place for you to serve and do things, then we were giving them opportunity to connect relationally. And we've realized over the years that it's not always been a really smooth, solid thing for us. And so we've intentionally made huge improvements to being relational, especially as a larger church, when we've made this one of our core values to say, people matter. Relationships matter. They have to, because it's too important to assume it will just happen because we love Jesus. We love Jesus, so all those good things will happen. Relationship will just naturally happen. Maybe yes, maybe no. So we want to flat out say this is important. Each individual at Twin Cities is important, and we all get to take on this value. We get to know each other when we're connected, and, and we get to know each other when we're connected to being with one another. We're committed to being with one another, and that's a challenge we both take and issue as a church. Now, I want to just be real about myself. I shared Uganda and some of my growing, but to be real with you, I, I want to say I'm not very good at this relational value sometimes. And I, yes, I love people and I love being around people. That's just, I'd rather be around people than not. But sometimes I get so busy with all the tasks of being a pastor that people can, can almost seem to get in the way of being a pastor. 
you know, I could sure be a better pastor if there weren't so many people around to muck things up. Does that sound funny? But I've had to remind myself because, oh my goodness, you know, the things that we have to do and have to accomplish, we've got to get, some, get the people out of the way so we can get the stuff done. And I never see Jesus do that. Darn it. <laughs> you know, a reminder of that that, that, that's, that, that people are the ministry, you know. And other times I struggle because I get too concerned with how I look to others. You know, how I look to others, and, and I worry that someone may judge me. They may not like me the way that I think or talk or act. So maybe getting close can be a little scary. You know, being in close relationship can seem risky because you end up putting yourself out there a little bit. And when you put yourself out there, well, you're putting yourself out. It's a chance to, to have somebody judge you or to, or to come down on you a bit. And so, well, to love and to be loved, you have to find out who people are and you have to let them know who you are. And so that's a, that's a journey that I'm on, too. I just want to say it. It's a church value. It's a personal value I hold. And I get to have Jesus transform and continue to do that work in me. Well, there are some verses in Colossians on your outline. Here we go. We'll get a chance to look at your verses and fill in some blanks here in a minute. But I, I just wanted through them. They make it so clear that our lives of following Jesus are all about loving each other. They really are about loving each other. Loving God first, but a, part of loving God is loving each other and being in connection with each other. And there is encouragement that that connection can be healthy and Christ-like. So out of Colossians 3, it says this. And this is this huge encouragement. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. By the way, all of these words are relational words. Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another if one has a complaint against another. Forgiving each other. You getting all this, right? As the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive others. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. We together, one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I would have loved to have taught this passage, but I could not have gotten through this in one. That was probably like two or three weeks of messages through there. This is really just kind of a theme passage to throw out there and say, look, there are so many places in the Bible where it's just full and full and full of encouragement and exhortation and all kinds of things that says it's about relationship here's what god wants you to do here's what he calls you to do here's what he empowers you to do here's what he puts you in position to do and you get a chance to practice those things with the holy spirit's power inside of you what a rich passage it overflows with the call to healthy relationship and this is really who we want to be as a church we're saying this isn't just an activity that we want to do this is who we want to be in essence so let's go ahead and say it. Here we go with your outline there in bold, and, and I'll read it to you here. But our goal here at Twin Cities Church is to build a safe place. I like that. I can breathe and relax. Where we can know and be known, love and be loved, serve and be served, celebrate and be celebrated. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds really good to me. A place that's safe to be real, where it's safe to be in authentic relationships. A place where your struggles put you into a caring community and not in front of the firing squad. Right? Because it's been said that the church is one of the places, one of the only places where they shoot the wounded. You know, Somebody struggles, rather than lift them up, they like gun you down. Oh, you blew it. You're not a good Christian. Bang, bang. It's a place... A place, to, to, a safe place where we can actually find caring community because we were never meant to be alone. 
We were never meant to be alone. Now we're going to move to a section here to ask, what does that mean? And a few, a few simple things in your outline that are all, I don't know why, but they all came out to be hero-based this week. So if, if you're a hero, superhero kind of person, you're just, it'll be glorious this morning. If not, you'll be fine too. First of all, I'm going to date myself a little bit. First of all, the Lone Ranger model doesn't work. We're less when we're not connected. Okay, now you may say the Lone Ranger was not a superhero, but I beg to differ. All those hundreds and thousands of people over the years that he saved and rescued from harm's way in the Old West, they would say differently. Are you familiar with the Lone Ranger? Okay, radio show started in 1933. Anyone? Don't raise your hand. Well, good, good for you. I saw a hand go up over there. And then it was on television. And all of this was before my day, I have to say. Okay, so. And then it was on television. I had to research all this. In the golden days of television from 1949 to 1957, like eight seasons or something. Okay. But then there were reruns. That's how I was familiar with it. Right. Hi-ho, silver. Away. Right. Is that ringing any bells? You may say the lone who. Okay. The Lone Ranger would appear with his horse, Silver, and he would swoop down and beat impossible odds, take out the bad guys, rescue the, pra- the prairie damsel or family, whoever was in trouble, and then ride off into the sunset, rearing up on his horse and doing all those things. And yet, if you know of the Lone Ranger, then you also know of his Native American buddy named... See? So some of you, like, right now, you're going, I got a YouTube Lone Ranger. <laughs> Wait till you get home. Okay, you can watch some of these, you know, black and white, good stuff. Yeah, Tonto, right? So he had his horse and he had Tonto. And I actually, gosh, okay, we'll go two minutes over. I actually researched this week because I'm thinking the Lone Ranger didn't glorify him being alone. That was never his objective. He knew he had his sidekick, Tonto, and his horse. And it was always about people. He was not the alone ranger. The history of it simply was there were six Texas rangers who rode out on a posse to catch some bad guys, including his older brother. And unfortunately, they got ambushed, and five and a half of them were killed. He was the only one who survived. Near death, he's lying on the ground. And this Native American Tonto comes by and finds him, nurses him back to health, gives him the name Kimosabe, right? Remember that? And... uh, (laughs) And, and, and so now, because he's the only ranger who survived, he is called the lone remaining ranger. Oh, and yet we talk about the lone ranger as that's that guy who rides off by himself and independently saves the world. No, he doesn't. Never wanted to be. Brokenhearted about losing his brothers and his friends. He understood that he was less on his own. He had Tonto. He had his horse. He had the people around him. Even the Lone Ranger knew that being alone is a long-term recipe for disaster. And, and so I have to ask, then, what does God have to say about this? Because darn it, the Lone Ranger isn't in the Bible. I looked. <laughs> no. Last time I looked anyway, way back in the very beginning, way before television, radio, or anything else, Genesis 2.18, God has created the earth. He sat back and said, this is really good. And then he went, oops, I didn't do anything bad, but I didn't do enough. In Genesis 2.18, he says... The Lord God said, it is not good that the man that I created should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. I will make him a helpmate. I will make him a partner. I will create someone else because it's not good for him to be alone. You know, even before sin entered the world, when creation existed in paradise and perfection, God looked at his first created man, Adam, and he said, alone ain't cutting it. It's kind of a paraphrase. And it goes on to say in Proverbs 18.1, fascinating to me, whoever isolates himself 
tries to be on their own, seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment, which means he starts quarrels. This person who isolates himself is all of a sudden about himself. Well, who else is he spending any time with? And he ends up sound judgment coming up and it's like starting quarrels with and pushing it away. You see, being on your own leads to incessant introspection, egocentric narcissism, and all sorts of huge vocabulary words that mean basically that you think the world resolves revolves around you. Sound judgment is out. My own judgment and desires are in, and I don't need anyone to tell me otherwise. And that's kind of where it goes through that. God never meant for us to be alone. We're worse when we're by ourselves, and it leads to a worse and worse place. Well, secondly, we looked at the Lone Ranger, and truly really wasn't alone and didn't want to be alone. And secondly, our second fill-in-the-blank, <clears throat> here we go, only in Twin Cities, the Avengers and X-Men have it right. The Avengers and the X-Men have it right. We're better when we're connected. We're better when we're connected. Um, you know, all those Marvel superheroes, and I'm a, I'm a Marvel guy, DC is okay, but Marvel's where it's at. That's, there we go, a little, little tidbit on that. Used to collect comics and stuff like that. But um, they, they're awesome on their own as individuals, but occasionally they come up against the super baddie, you know, the super bad guy, and then they realize that going solo doesn't cut it. And they realize that together, together they're a powerful force, much more than the sum of their parts. That's what they really recognize, the working together and the combination not just of their powers, but of their minds, their intellects, their thoughts, and their desires, and all those things. They're more than the sum of their parts, and it makes for some pretty good movies, too, if you're into that, right? We're better when we're connected, and the Avengers, the X-Men, it's true for them, and it's true for us as well. In James 5.16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to yourself. Oh, no, that's not what it says. Confess your sins to one another. Reveal your struggles. Reveal some of your heart, he's saying. And, and, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We pray together. We share our lives. We confess our sins, our, our struggles with each other. And we receive healing together in community because Jesus gives us his righteousness and the power to work miracles. We're talking about flat-out miracles and miraculous healing here, internal, even external there, that God provides for us as we do community together. That's better together. Ecclesiastes 4, starting in verse 9, and Pastor Mark read a couple of these verses earlier. And I love these pictures, by the way. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their toil, good reward. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. Picture that. Ugh, I fall and then I can't get up, right? Somebody there. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one man who is alone, uh, against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, here's these pictures just saying, look, it's obvious. Look at real life. You know, you're walking down the road, you fall down. It's nice to have someone pick you up. Look, when it's cold, it's nice to, 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 to stay warm together. Look, when all these things happen, when, a, when the bad guy comes up, it's better to have two or three of you there. And he kind of runs away. Great pictures that they have. Two are better than one, and three is even better. And I was thinking about it for myself back in the old days when I, before I started running as much as I do these days. That's kind of my exercise of choice is a lot of running and then other crazy things. But I used to weightlift a lot, and I remember, you know, you got to be tough and strong and, and bench pressing. Eh, you don't need a partner on that. You know what you can lift. You know, you're always pushing a little bit. And sometimes, very rarely, you'd see somebody else, but it did happen to me once or twice, too. You know, you're on your own, and you're lifting heavy, and you're getting a little bit tired, and you're, you're lifting 
a lot of weight, and it comes down to get one more rep, we would call it, right? One rep. And you get it about halfway up, and you go, I'm in trouble. And you go ahead and do the bad things, like arch your back, and, you're like, and, and then it starts coming down. And you maybe have two to 300 pounds now sitting on your chest, and you don't have a prayer that it's going to get back up. <laughs> it hurts. It's uncomfortable. And you're now the, one of the tough guys at the gym going, Or you try to figure out how to dump the weights, clang at her clatter, and then the other side dumps. It's a horrible place to be in, and the guy comes running over and gives you the help on it. Stuff, man, I'm happy to spot you. Yeah, thanks. <sighs> that may never have happened to you, but you can sure picture that. Why do we do that? I got this. I got this. I'm on my. We're better together. God wants us to lift weights together, to walk together, to do life together. So let's be ready to make ourselves better by being in community. I maybe got this, but I got to tell you, it's always more fun working out with a partner anyway. You help them, they help you. Talk a little bit, stop digging a little bit, lean on the shovel, share some relationship. Our third hero statement for today, Jesus is our real life hero and model. Jesus is our real-life hero and model. I'm sorry to dash some of you. I'd, you know, I'd want to spoil it for you, but the Avengers aren't real. X-Men aren't real. I'm sorry. Jesus. We become more like Jesus when we're connected. You know, We went from the Lone Ranger to the Avengers and the X-Men to the real superhero Jesus. And, and the, although we may all think it might be kind of cool to smash like Hulk, Hulk smash, you know, or throw a shield like Captain America or a hammer... Or in the latest one, an axe like Thor. All that might be kind of cool and fun, at least in a thought. At least for some of us guys, we really want to be in real life. A lot more like Jesus. A lot more like Jesus. And we see that being in relationship with others is a, is a key to that happening. Jesus said in, in his last you know, meeting with the disciples before he was led out and crucified and, and all of that, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I has loved you, you also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have that love for one another. I know loving each other, which can only happen in relationship, think about it, love each other from a distance. I can't really see who that is over there, but man, I love them. Whoever's up in the back or over there, man, I really love you, whoever you are. It just doesn't happen that way, does it? It's got to be in relationship. Jesus isn't just saying love, oh, I've got to love. He's saying be in relationship. And then be in loving relationship that allows me to take over your life can only happen in relationship. And, and it's reflecting and imitating Jesus. And it's really simple to maybe say that. And why do we make it so hard? We see in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I like that kind of stir each other, kind of stir the pot. How can we stir each other to love and good works? Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I know God stirs me up all the time, and God can do that in your life, to stir us up to love and good works, but let's also do it ourselves for each other. That's a role that he calls us to play in our lives, and, and he says, don't neglect meeting together. Don't skip on the community and fellowship of weekly church, of small groups, of close relationships. That's the only way we can stir each other up. You got to do it up close. You got to get the big spoon in the pot, right? I mean, you, you got to be there. The only way we can really encourage each other at the heart level. We know that Jesus humbled himself and to the point of washing his followers' feet. 
not a pretty picture if you think about it, you know. But then he was tortured and died on the cross, modeling for us what it means to truly love others. It wasn't just to take the sacrifice, take to sacrifice himself for our sins. Yes, that's the main point. But he also is modeling what true love is. And, and, and Jesus is so gutsy and so bold that he actually asks us to love and serve each other in the same way. <laughs> is he crazy? Maybe. I think not. But he also shows us that the only way all that will happen is in relationships. So, so I want to get real practical now, just in our last couple minutes together in this last, last little section. Our key relational shapes we emphasize here at Twin Cities. So if we've taken a look at relationship and say, it's easy, it's important to be in relationship, what does that look like? Well, those three relational shapes, or kind of shapes, I want to put it this way, are rows, circles, and teams. Our key relational shapes, you can write them down, are rows, circles, and teams. Now, first of all, we gather in rows, and we're doing that right now, those of us that are here at Twin Cities Church physically, look at it. We set up the chairs in rows. Call that a shape. It's a line, whatever through that, and of course, creative rows and all that. Now, those of you watching online, I'm glad that you're here. I don't know your circumstances, but we highly encourage you to get here physically to Twin Cities Church whenever you can. Now, we know that that's not always possible, uh, you know, based on your circumstances, what's going on, but, but, um, but, and I don't want you to feel accused or condemned at all. We're thrilled that you're here if you're one of those online church people, but um, we can't hug you today when church is over. I'm reaching out towards the camera. I can't physically do that. You can't get a hug from me. I can't get a hug from you, so I miss out on you not being here too, you know? We can't drink coffee with you and share some joys and struggles of the week. And those of you that are here today also that come from time to time, you know, I know we're life, we're busy and all that stuff. Again, this isn't a guilt trip, folks, but when you're not here, I miss you. We lose, you lose when you're not here. And so that, ah, I try to get here when I can. Get here more, not Get her more or feel guilty, but because we're less when you're not here. We benefit by being in the rows together. We need you, and, and you are less when you aren't here. The community of worship and growth and togetherness that happens at a church service can be amazing, and we, we believe in rows. We really do. Don't neglect the gathering of believers that, that happens here. We encourage that. And, and you may be sitting in a row at your home, and that's just awesome online, by the way, but when you get a chance, come and let us, let us love you in person. Secondly, we gather in circles. And so we do that in our groups, primarily in our community groups, but also our Bible studies, our discipleship, and and, uh, mentoring relationships and groups. And that happens when, you think about it, we take the chairs that are set up in rows, and then we turn and have them face each other. Because it's awesome to face forward. We can worship together. We can do this in, in together. But but it, 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 we don't really get super, super close. We have to work at that. Maybe in the lobby that happens. But we take the chairs that are side by side and we face, we turn them into a circle so we can see each other's faces, so we can sit in community to laugh together, to cry together, to share life together, pray for each other, maybe share a meal together that can happen. And we absolutely believe in circles as an essential way to be in relationship. And third, a third shape, and you may say it's not a shape, but it is, teams. We gather in teams. Now, I'm not sure what shape that actually is. It's pretty fluid, though. It's kind of, you know, amoeba-y or something, right? And it, but it's pretty exciting as it changes and it grows, depending upon the group and the size and what's happening. We have so many teams here at Twin Cities Church, teams of people, and they revolve around primarily serving together, serving in children's ministry or over in student's ministry, 
serving as a greeter and usher on the emergency response team, ser- serving with our music or our technical teams that make all these things happen here on Sunday mornings. And the list, it keeps going. It's pretty long. Or serving with each other in the ways that we do to bless our community, going out in the community, working with our jail ministry that we have, with our at-risk youth, with the elderly, with safe families, just trying to help families get their lives together and the kids, working at, 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 with some of our partners, Aid Interfaith Food Ministries, or Living Well, or a New Day Hospitality House. These are teams of community of different shapes that allow us to be used by God to achieve the Holy Spirit's agenda around all of us, but also in us. It's not just about what we do, but it's about what happens in us when we do it. So, so here's your final fill in the blank today. We've covered a lot of grounds. Rows, circles, teams. Those are our key shapes. I, I did the weightlifting analogy early. It's time to get in shape. It's time to get in shape. We as a church... That's a call to each one of us, not just to the church as a big body of nameless people, the church. It's, it's a call to you. It's a call to you to really get in shape. It's time to throw away the Lone Ranger idea, if that's been you, and it's time to embrace the Avengers and the X-Men model, right, of doing life, doing life as a team, as a body, as a community. And it's time to become more like Jesus, by allowing people into our lives, as risky as that may be, by connecting with others at church, community groups, serving together, sharing life together. And you see, this whole we are relational value isn't just something that the pastors say from up front from time to time. It's not just something we're going to plaster up on our walls, you know, the values real and relational and all those sorts of things. That Those are good things to do. It's not just something we as an, as an institution say is important. It's only true when each and every one of us says, you know, I believe in this. Yes, I believe in this, and I want to make this a part of who I am because because I am the church. That's not me saying it. That's you saying it. I will commit to coming each Sunday when I can to be a part of row community, and then then I'm going to reach across the rows to greet others and get to know others and embrace others. I will commit to being in circle community, joining a community group, a small group Bible study, getting involved in mentoring, discipling, uh, or, and or being discipled by another. I will commit to being in team community, serving side by side with other imperfect people. Look around, that's who we are, all making ourselves available to the Holy Spirit so he can use us as a team to transform our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, our cities, and our world. breathe. That's getting in shape, and that's the call to you. We as a church are real. You're the church. We're the church. Are you in shape? What's your row shape look like? What's your circle shape look like? What's your team shape look like? And again, not a guilt trip. Oh, you. I I can be more. I can give more. I can receive more. I can help others be more. That's what it means to be relational, and that is who we are. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for today and the chance we have to lift up this relationship on one level. It's really easy to say. We're about people. We're relational. And God, it is so hard. (laughs) It's so hard to do it well. It's so hard to commit to doing it. It's so hard to making this be of of huge value in our lives, God. So I just pray that you you would push that upon us in a very real and a very wonderful way. 
uh, not out of obligation, God, but realizing that we're becoming more like Jesus. We're becoming better ourselves. We're being better for others, God, as we move into relationship, God, that these rows and circles and teams can be a way of life, God, that will just transform our lives and those around us and the world. Thanks for that opportunity. Thanks for being in relationship with us, Lord, because it all starts with you. So, God, Father God, for the introverts and the extroverts and the ambiverts or whatever combination we are, God, I just pray that you would prompt us and move us to use who you made us to be, to be in relationship with each other, because that's who we are. In Jesus' name, amen.